I'm Robert Pearson, and this is Follow the Leader, where I sit down on my lunch break, and we do Bible stuff. We're going through the main cards one at a time in kind of a random order, and we are in Ezekiel chapter 18 today, verses 26 and 28. Uh, this whole chapter in Ezekiel is kind of saying the same thing several different ways to be very clear and unambiguous. Uh... And God is sort of defending his righteousness to the nation of Israel who are whining and complaining because they they don't feel that God's being just with them. And so God's laying out his case that, look, this is how I roll. Uh, he's not establishing anything new. He's simply explaining how he operates, which is kind of a common sense way to operate. So here we go. Uh, Ezekiel 18, starting in verse 26. There you go. When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies because of it, for his iniquity which he has committed, he will die. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness, which he has committed, and practices justice and righteousness, he will save his life, because he considered and turned away from all his transgressions which he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Uh, so, that's what we're going to talk about. I'll throw the last verse in for just a little more context. But the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not right. Are my ways not right, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not right? Um, God, really using the, I know you are, but what am I, line. Uh, which is pretty honest case, especially in this instance. Um, so, we have a picture here of an honest man falling into wickedness and paying for it, and a wicked man uh, falling into righteousness and uh, benefiting from it. So, what is the first thought after reading this? My first thought is it's interesting because sort of a human way would see it more as, uh, as an account balance. I do all of these good things, and I'm sort of filling up my good things jar, so that, oh, if I do a few bad things, I take out a couple of the good things, and I'm still at a, at a net positive. It's the way video games uh, that have a morality system, they all work the same way. You do a good deed, you get good points. You do a bad deed, you get bad points, and they cancel each other out. So if you have more good deeds than bad deeds, you're a good person, and you can murder a few people, and you're still a pretty good person. The points don't reduce. God's justice, God's system, God's way of doing things is very different. Uh, the way he describes it almost seems more like walking on a balance beam. Uh, you can fall off of the balance beam, or you can climb onto the balance beam. Uh, but that's it. There's no credit given for good deeds done. And the same idea is mentioned in... Paul says it, and I can't remember where he's talking about it. Um, but the... Confound it. I hate mentioning things that I have in a footnote for it. Um, I'll write a note to myself. I'll look it up after this video, and I'll have it in the description for the exact reference. What Paul says is your obedience, your righteousness is owed. God doesn't owe you anything for being good. You're already supposed to be good. Those are things you're already supposed to do. Uh, one reference I can't remember, if you look at the prodigal son, 
the older son whines that, oh, but I've been so good this whole time when the bad son comes back and gets a party. And uh, the father's like, look, yeah, you've done great. Your son, your, your brother could have died, and he didn't, and it's awesome, and he's alive now. The older son didn't do anything special, and he didn't get really any special. He did what he was supposed to have done the whole time. The, the reward was in that once the other son decided to run off, the prodigal son ran away. He could have stayed gone. He didn't have to come back. Um, it was a great moral triumph that he was able to repent, put aside his uh, wicked and wasteful deeds, and come back in humility. Whereas the other son, it was Tuesday for him. This is just another day. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so there seems to be this real idea that you're either on the right path or you're not on the right path. And you don't really get a reward for being on the right path. You get to live. You get to continue living in this world because you're being a good human. You're being a human rather than an evil human. There's not really like a good human, you're just doing what human beings are designed to do, which is be nice to each other, don't be jerks, do what you're supposed to do, uh, essentially. Uh, God doesn't owe you anything for being good. That's why we can't save ourselves, and why we, uh, once we have sinned, that's it. We, we, are, owe the de we are due the death that, that happens eventually at the end of our life. Is uh is payment for even even one sin. It's, uh, as Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. You're going to die because you've sinned. And so it's in that Christ saves us from death by, you know, taking our sin on Himself. That's why that works. This is really lays out what God expects of men, though. So a different way to kind of articulate this is. You can always do what's right. And should. Rather, you should always do what's right. And you put a moral imperative on there. So, how can this both encourage and convict us? I find this passage a little encouraging and a little convicting. Obviously, we are saved by grace through faith. We say by faith through grace. I flip those. Uh... It's not of ourselves. So nothing that we do is going to save us from sin and death, except the atoning blood of Jesus. What I am talking about here specifically, once again, because we're looking at Old Testament covenant, is the principle of how God views right living versus wrong living. And we're looking at trying to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Uh, the fancy uh, fancy word for it is sanctification, um, the, the continuing work in the life of a born-again Christian who's trying to become better every day and improve themselves because they feel grateful for the, the debt of sin that was removed from them and because they want to do what pleases God, not for any external legalism or checking the boxes so they can get to heaven. Uh, it's, it's being motivated by a sense of gratitude and uh, sincerity, not doing the bare minimum. Anyway, that said, um, trying to contextualize my statement. So, this is encouraging because a uh, wicked man turns away from wickedness. He's committed practice, justice, righteousness. He will save his life. 
if you are on the wrong path, or if you've fallen in the wrong path, if you're a good person, you could easily have this. It's whatever you've done last is the one that counts. So if you've messed up your whole life, um, viewing God's righteousness as a balance beam, you can always get back up on the balance beam. It's only in death when you choose to stay off. You know, if you're a righteous person, you can't just suddenly go, well, now I'm going to cheat, lie, cheat, and steal because I've been good my whole life. I made it. Uh, as long as I don't overdraw the account, I'm fine. That's not the way God handles things. Once you choose wickedness, once you forsake uh, righteousness, once you, uh, the way um, it's phrased elsewhere, to, to stay on the narrow path, the do not turn to the right or to the left, as is said in uh, Deuteronomy, I think, quite a few times. Once you leave the path, once you fall off the balance beam of righteousness, that's it. You're, you're in wickedness. You choose to, to live in wickedness. And you can always, you can always climb back up on the balance beam. Uh, that's why it's encouraging, is that you can always turn around. It's just like on a real balance beam. You, you mess up, you fall down. Get back up. Try again. Keep going. And it's the, the grace that we have in Christ that allows us to always be able to get back up and keep going. And there's that forgiveness for our our transgressions, our accidental uh, mistakes and such. Even our intentional mistakes, depending on uh, you know where we're at in life. So, the convicting part, though, is it's a balance beam. You don't get a free pass because you've been good all the time. Uh, you have to every moment of, of every day, be trying, be striving, be working in the right direction, and um, have the humility to just pick yourself up off the ground once you fall off, get back up on the balance beam, and try again. That's sanctification, is walking that balance beam of righteousness, and, uh, you know, when you fall down, figure out what made you fall, and get back up on the balance beam and keep going. That's That's the way... That's the picture that God paints of his righteousness, when he views righteousness, when he views wickedness. And so, what does this mean for us right now, today? Uh, I always kind of do that along the way. This is the way my brain operates. Like, I look at a Bible verse and I immediately go to the, why do I care about this, angle. Uh, this means that, you know, if, if the day didn't work out quite right, or you you looked at something you shouldn't have, or said something you shouldn't have, Get back up on the balance beam. Try again. Don't don't just let it ride and go, well, I'm a good enough person. It'll, it'll all pan out. Take the time. Be humble. And forgive. Uh, ask ask for forgiveness from from God, from the people you may have wronged in your in your sin, in your anger, or your um, your other sins. And get back up on the balance beam and just keep at it. Keep trying. Make it clear to others that it is a process. You, you know, apologize. I'm sorry. That was dumb. I'm working on it and I'll, uh, I'll try better next time. Let me know, uh, if you got any tips or tricks so I can do better. Right. And just keep at it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do your best to get better every day. And, you know, God will fill in the rest. Even if you don't get better every day, as long as you're trying, there's, is forgiveness and grace that extends. You know, the more you sin, the more grace God has for you. 
but you've got to make sure that those sins are accidental. You're not going out there planning on like, okay, calculating how many sins you can get away with. No, no, no. Do your best and just keep trying and God honors the try. And that's what grace and forgiveness are for. It's because we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to have bad days. And Christ covers us for those days. And I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 32 because so many people picture the God of the Old Testament as this mean, angry God and the God of the New Testament as a loving God. Jesus is different than... No, no, no. They're all the same. Um, This isn't in the original passage, but it relates. Verse 32, the same chapter. This is the God of the Old Testament. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. This whole block saying, if you do wickedness, you will die. If you do righteousness, you'll live. And it comes down to it, and he says, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies. Um, He repeats him. This is repeating himself from uh, back in verse 23. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord? rather than that he should turn from his ways and live. God wants us to succeed. He wants us to do what's right. And that's evident from, you know, from the front to back. That's why we have, that's why we have the book here. Basic instructions before leaving earth. All right. That's all I got for you today. Got the scripture and the questions down below. I will dig up the reference for the Paul thing. He says it. Somewhere, I, I can't remember which book it's even in right now. So, <clears throat> thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Godspeed.